Hey there, Film Buds. Welcome back to the Film Buds podcast. I'm your host, Paul. And I'm Lauren. And happy Hispanic Heritage Month. Woo! In like two weeks, technically. Yeah. But Uh, (laughs) here on the Film Buds, it's all... Cart before the horse. (laughs) Cart before the horse, Davis. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got excited. (laughs) No, that's all right. Uh, but no, happy Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh, of course, Lauren is right. Hispanic Heritage Month does not actually begin on September 1st. Uh, it begins September 15th, and it lasts until October 15th. Uh, last year, we actually covered it on episodes 186 and episodes 190. Uh, actually, at mid-September and mid-October, perfectly. Yeah, we did kind of like a, I guess, you know, a normal one in September, and then we did like the horror one in October. Correct, yeah. We did uh, Frida and Under the Same Moon, La Mm -hmm. Misma Luna. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, And then, of course, we did uh, Kronos and Tigers Are Not Afraid. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but this year we were planning out the, the calendar. We did this months ago, Mm -hmm. almost a year ago now. Um, and we were trying to plan out monthly themes and we decided that we would go ahead and dedicate all of September to Hispanic heritage. Um, it seemed like the, the good call. Um, it seemed like the interesting call. We love, um... We truly love going and trying to uh, explore every facet of filmmaking and and what it can be um, and that sort of thing. And so it just seemed like a good idea to do because also we we really enjoyed it last last year. No, yeah, um, I had a blast um, doing it. I honestly couldn't, you know me, I can't remember crap um but you you so graciously reminding myself um the forgetful one and and our dear listeners what our last year episodes were about like it just it sparked all of that right back in you know hadn't thought about it in a while what we had done and like you know seeing the names i was like ah yes frida such a good movie so interesting you know well um, and once i you know under the same moon for me uh, is a movie that the moment i think about it i remember it so vividly Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Because I just, you know, that was one that I didn't ex- didn't know where we were going with that one um, for a little bit there. Um, but also uh, watching Kronos. Crazy vampire movie. Super fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, Guillermo's by, first. Yeah, yeah. And now we're doing the second one. That's... <laughs> we're just going to go through the whole thing, you know. <laughs> Don't worry. We're checking them off one by one, folks. <laughs> right that's right always a good time here with Guillermo (laughs) we're we're gonna make them through one by one and eventually one day we'll maybe get to have them on Um, oh 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 wouldn't that be something that would be something um one can dream but yeah so we decided to do that again this month and um we actually recently went through and purchase some of the films uh, from the Criterion Collection that we're going to be talking about this this month. And, um, you know, as Lauren said, we're going to be doing Guillermo's 
second big movie. We're doing uh, El Espianzo del Diablo. Also known as The Devil's Backbone. Um, See. <laughs> it's <Sorry>. from <laughs> 2001. Uh, and it's... We, we, I, I wanted to go back and do it because it's one of the few Guillermo movies that I haven't seen. You know, oh. I, I have pretty much seen... Yeah, I think I've seen all of them now, except, you know, until this point. Um, I think that I had pretty much seen his entire filmography. Um, so this was like the last little piece. I don't know if I can confidently say yes or no to how many Guillermo movies I've seen out of what there are, because I, I truly don't know the entire list. Well, we'll get into that in a second. Okay. Um, cool. <clears throat> Delightful. But on top of that, um, we have, of course, also now really gone fully through like our first full year of film buds you know because august was our first month Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so now we have gone through and like fully completed a full full year of film buds wow i've been i've been critiquing for for a year now yay (laughs) you know next stop the north carolina critic association i'm coming for (laughs) you Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, it also feels good to go back and kind of touch on something that we did again, mm-hmm. you know, a year ago. Um, Creating I guess, traditions. Yeah. Uh, I guess before we get started, I was having a conversation with, um, I have a, I have an international set of coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my coworkers is a, uh a lovely woman from Poland and she and I were talking about film and she's not particularly fond of most, not all, but most American cinema. And she really truly enjoys international cinema. And we got into a little bit of, of storytelling and, and, you know, international perspective and that sort of thing and i wanted to ask you Mm -hmm. as someone who especially i think particularly doesn't have a you know film background in any kind of classical you know training sense you know uh and having gone through during this year where we have touched on a lot of different cinema both inside of America and internationally from a lot of different time periods, what would you say stands out to you the most about the key difference between traditional Hollywood cinema storytelling and international cinema? I think that international cinema is willing to do something weird. Mm. I think that there's this like openness for, you know, obviously there are things that are, you know, considered, I guess, ordinary, but everything has, you know, something interesting about it, you know, um, whereas I find that a lot of American cinema can be very safe in its, in its structure. It's very predictable. You know, it's, it's, at some point it's hard to go on that journey with this character because it's just so familiar that you, you, I could, I could be doing my taxes 
while watching it because like I don't actually have to watch this movie I know exactly what's going to happen next this character is going to do x up oh, they did it all right then that's going to lead us to y Ooh, fantastic you know and it, it can kind of be it can kind of be boring and like oh, that's not saying that like for the, the that everybody who is making a movie in America is is following these these kind of set guidelines but as like a as a massive media conglomerate that it is it is exactly that it's it's a content machine, you know, and, and it's hard, I think, for a lot of movies nowadays to actually um, make their, their mark on the pavement. It's because of the fact that, A, they're just, you know, they're mediocre movies, which would be fine if there wasn't such a such a vast quantity of them. You know, they're getting lost in the slog instead of being like something kind of bad in a sea of interesting things. There are something kind of bad in a sea of also kind of bad things that's going down a rushing, rushing rapid of, of you know, just it's, it's just sound. It's just noise, you know? Well, and I think um, by design, I think that traditional American cinema is geared toward naturalism and realism in some sort of sense. Oh, that's totally fair. Whereas I think that, like, you look at Guillermo's filmmaking style or you look at um, Hispanic film in general, you know, as far as we've experienced it, but then you also go and look at, like, Japanese cinema or even some of the Indian cinema that we've seen... I think that you see a willingness to extend to melodrama in the same way that theater does. In a still natural way, but a very heightened way, you know. And I think that um, that willingness to also bask in more um, emotionally palpable storytelling also helps it transcend language barriers on a certain level as well mm-hmm. better than tone down naturalism because you and I can be having a conversation in English that is very very serious and very very nuanced where we're not really having a lot of emotional pitch mm-hmm. that gives away really anything that the moment is about whereas you go and you look at something like the lighthouse Mm-hmm. And that's a very physical, melodramatic, willing to live in grandeur on a certain level in the performance sort of storytelling that you also see echoed in things like uh, Japanese cinema with certain samurai films or with Godzilla. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this willingness for melodrama that is naturalized. No, no, for sure, for sure. And I guess that's kind of what I meant when, um, by they're they're willing to to make to make bigger bolder choices yes you know or you know to be to be a little off the cuff of of normalcy in order to portray actual like normalcy Mm -hmm. you know priscilla queen of the desert yes 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 i absolutely adore that movie everything about that movie is relatable at the emotional core but it's wrapped in this just like fun ride of of a movie that's not distracting either and is fully whatever a cinematic spectacle is exactly exactly it's really taking the medium and respecting it and showing it off 
Mm-hmm. You know, not just in the in the in the way that like Dune shows off what a film can be. You know, it's this huge landscapes. You know, which is great and it's visually so interesting. But also, like, is it really is it really adding anything at a certain mm-hmm. point? You know, um, whereas like with Priscilla, you know, it's this it's this complete show within a show almost. It's 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 or, otherworldly. Or a. Uh... Mad Max Fury Road. Yes, 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 yes. No, I think that that's Grander totally Grander spectacle fair. melodrama. Heightened mm-hmm. in every yeah. sense. And that's also, I guess... Ah, ah, aha. That's also, I guess, what's truly fundamentally the difference at the core of what you should aim for between what's supposed to be presented on a big screen and what is truly something that can be watched on anything a good movie should be able to be watched on anything but some things are made to be watched on anything mm-hmm. true cinematic you know i think a lot of good cinematic experience even if it's emotionality is a meant to be uh you know put up on the biggest thing that you can see it because it has that grandeur mm-hmm. even if it's in the emotional performance mm-hmm no, I think that that's totally fair. Um, I also think that, um, you know, European cinema and and other other parts of the world, honestly, cinema has this 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 unique perspective that you don't get here in America. I think that you, I think that the version of America that the world sees is is it's not a real place whereas i feel like in a lot of you know movies um let's say um oh gosh like like hot fuzz yeah that's a i don't doubt for a second that that's a real place yeah and that these are real people you know everything is obviously heightened you know to this to the spectacle level of of precision and mixed with comedy you know but i think that it's also very uniquely true mm-hmm. as well. Whereas, you know, I love the Fast and the Furious franchise. But, like, those aren't, that's not a real, I mean, I guess it is for some people, sure. But, like, in a sense. But that's not, like, an entire region of of the country, I guess, in a, in, you know, in another. No, but I think that you're getting to an interesting point, which is that, um, I guess, especially when we are talking about this, specifically, we are talking about what's primarily exported. You know, we're definitely not talking about independent cinema or certain specific filmmakers, you know, that really go out of their way to be very... Uh, identity specific Mm -hmm. you know in terms of american filmmaking we are talking about you know classic hollywood filmmaking yeah um and so or as it's referred to by uh dear david cook my professor um uh chc classic hollywood cinema and so that's kind of what we're referring to right is the sanitized product Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. whatever is packaged and deliverable as this kind of commodified version of American cinema. Um, you know, this does not pertain to, like, Spike Lee. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, um, I mean, I, I, hope, I hoped that that was, you know... Evident. Yes, I just yes. wanted to clarify for anyone 
not no, following along. No, that's that's totally fair. Um, because I do I do think that there are gems, mm-hmm, of course, in you know American cinema, obviously. But I think that as like a mass entity, no, and I think that the 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 general willingness mm-hmm. is not there. No, yeah, because at the end of the day, um, the the American movie system is a business. But also, aha, and I think that I really clicked on something here especially, I think that if you look at the theater traditions of other cultures, uh, like Japanese theater, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I think that if you look at, like, Central American and South American, um, you know things like telenovelas and that sort of thing, there is a lot of just cultural importance on that heightened performance. Well, also, you know, to your point um, as well, I there's more respect, I think, for arts in general mm-hmm. in other parts of the country, more so than here in the States. You know, we basically either say, like, you've got to be a movie star or a pro athlete, or and then that's it. You know, nothing else in between those two things truly matter. You can't actually, here in the States, become, like, the next Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's impossible, because n- nobody cares. Because no, you're not a fair. movie star, or a pro athlete. Or a TikToker. Or or a TikTok dancer, you know, extraordinaire. You know, good. Good. I'm glad you all know the same dance. <laughs> Welcome to my entire life. Welcome to musical theater. Um, but no, and so I think that that's one of the things that I've definitely definitely really learned and sort of gleaned from it is just that that sort of willingness to to let cinema be exactly what it is and yeah. let it be as big as it needs to be. No, oh, yeah, use the medium in 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 interesting in different ways through through your own personal lens and and mash things together to tell the story that you need to yeah you know um gosh that christmas movie that we watched um oh gosh the 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 the, was it was rare exports yes yes that movie i I think about that i think about that movie all of the time and it's it's because it's doing something completely unexpected yeah you know it's it's so nice to go down a ride like a roller coaster ride for the first time especially when you when you when you think you know what you what you're getting in for it's great no absolutely uh and so i guess with that sort of out of the way we'll go ahead and jump into hispanic heritage month in earnestness now if you want to hear about the further background of hispanic heritage I'm afraid I don't have the history lesson for you here. You gotta go back to 186. Sorry about it. I mean, hey, we'll we'll link it below. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there we go. We did all the work for you. There you go. So if you want to go and hear the background of Hispanic heritage, you can pause here, go there, come back. Um, but or essentially... Just, you know, finish this out. <laughs> um, you know, it starts at... Uh, the Independence Day of a lot of different nations um, in Central and South America and that sort of thing. Um, And it lasts, like I said, from mid-September to mid-October. And it's meant to be like a whole big sort of celebration. And so this month with it, um, we're trying to touch on more things than we did 
uh, last year. Last year it was very specifically, um, uh, almost inadvertently, uh, sort of Mexican-focused, you know, uh, in all of the stories that we did. Mm -hmm. And so with this month, we're trying to dance around and touch on a few different things. But, you know, like we said, we had to go back and touch on something familiar, and we're going back to Guillermo del Toro's The Devil's Backbone. Um, Guillermo, of course, was born in Mexico. He is a Mexican filmmaker, but what's interesting also is that uh, two of his big films take place in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did star and film in Mexico and film uh, involve Mexican actors and South American actors and that sort of thing. Um, so without further ado, The Devil's Backbone was released in 2001. It's rated R. It lasts an hour and 46 minutes. It is written uh, by Guillermo del Toro, Antonio Tresoras, and David Munoz. Uh, and it is directed by Guillermo del Toro. The plot is after Carlos, a 12-year-old whose father has died in the Spanish Civil War, arrives at an ominous boy's orphanage, he discovers the school is haunted and has many dark secrets which he must uncover. The cast includes uh, Marisa Pereiras as Carmen, Eduardo, Eduardo Noriega as Jacinto, Federico Lupi as Dr. Caceres, Fernando Tielve as Carlos, uh, Inigo Garces as Jaime, uh, and Irene Viceros as Conchita. Um, and so I guess without further ado, especially since they've heard me yammer for quite a bit now, I we'll mean, turn we, it on over to you. We've both been yammering. Uh, dear, what did you think of The Devil's Backbone? Um, I thought that this movie was really interesting, honestly. Um... I think that I think that all of the things that Guillermo does has a lot of thought and, you know, foresight involved with it. And I really enjoyed watching this movie kind of unfold around me, especially about a topic that I'm I'm not familiar with. I'm not familiar with the Spanish um, Civil War at all. It's 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 by oh gosh, it's a civil war that we just don't talk about in American schools. Um and honestly, yeah, I'm not very familiar with, with most of Spain's history, unfortunately. You know, my B. But this was, this was very eye-opening as well to that, you know, in, the, in this, this, this battle that wasn't that long ago as well. You know, this movie set in the 30s, like the, the mid to late 30s, um, which, is, which, is, which is, you know, fascinating as well, you know, trying to put that into my own American timeline and what that means. Um, this, and I just, I, I really enjoy his style of filmmaking. I think that this movie is, is, is this beautiful telling of this, this little boy kind of discovering that the world isn't as nice of a place as like you, you would want it to be. And, and, um, you know, each of these characters has, has, has a hard time with something. And I, it's, it's very human 
place as well, even though there's like these these spiritual things happening as well. It's like kind of little ghost story happening with the 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 the, the murdered boy, um, who haunts the orphanage. Um, but no, I just I I really I really I really dug this movie a lot. I thought that the characters were really intriguing. I loved. Um, I thought that the actors did a phenomenal job. Um, but I mean, they also have a fantastic director really guiding them through the emotional impact of these these um these these lives that they're living you know um hard times hard times i i love the like transition that this movie goes through of being like a spooky ghost story and then the kind of being an action film for a little bit you know like a little mini one you know it's it's fun i think that it's a it's a it's a whole journey and i don't think that anything ever um feels out of place no i think that's all fair um like i said this was probably the only guillermo movie that i haven't seen um chronos devil's backbone pan's labyrinth blade two shape of water is that his? Mm-hmm. Okay. Shape of Water. I mean, now I'm going out of order. Oh, um, sorry. I didn't realize you were actually going in an order. No, you're totally fine. Oh, I'm so sorry. Continue um, with your order. Take Shape of Water off the list. No, no, no. It's already there. Um, <laughs> Hellboy, Hellboy 2. Um, and I might even have been out of order with that, but that's beside the point. Um, what else? Um, Nightmare Alley, of course. Oh, yes, um, yes, yes. Pacific Rim. So... Honestly, I think that I might have actually seen... I've seen a good number of these movies. There might have been one that I was like, I don't know what that is. Um, pretty impressed, actually. So, he's... He's been a, a favorite of mine for a long time, and I think that... Oh, um, Crimson, uh, Crimson Peak. Uh, is another one of his, which is another gothic story, you know, and I think is, that he's... Is that the one that has Johnny Depp in it that came out in, like, the early 2000s? Is that the movie I'm thinking of? No. Oh, no, 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 I'm thinking of the one where he's a vampire. That's not, that's not a Guillermo film. Never mind. Um, that's Dark Shadows. That, okay, okay, copy. Crimson Peak is the one with Tom Hiddleston and Jessica Chastain. I have not and seen Mia this. And Mia Wasikowska. I have okay. not seen this, okay. Um, it's another gothic story. And I think that he is very, very, I mean, it's, it's omnipresent in everything that he does. And, you know, this and Pan's Labyrinth are 100% companion pieces. Um, Kronos as well to a certain extent, but Pan's Labyrinth especially. These children in the middle of the Spanish Civil War plunged into these situations where they have to deal with the reality of growing up mm-hmm. with the forces of oppression mm-hmm. with the face of fascism with the difficulty of the rebel cause um with the the biting reality of adulthood coming to them at a vulnerable age right there as they make this transition from a from a tender age into you know teenagehood and, and toward adulthood mm-hmm and I, I think that these are 100%, you know, twins of each other. What's so fascinating about them 
is that this one is a horror story and the other one is a dark fantasy or a yes. fairy tale. Um, but with that, on a certain level, you know, mild spoiler alerts, um, one has a, a much brighter ending and it's the horror story. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and one has the much more tragic ending and it's the fable. But that's well, also that the nature of the, of the stories themselves. Horrors yeah. end with, typically, catharsis. Whereas fables usually end in lessons. Exactly. Hard lessons learned at a cost. Yeah. And what's also, I think, so en- enchanting and so intriguing again about this movie is that he layers everything into it. And you were talking about these people dealing with all of these things. They are all haunted oh no that totally makes by sense. themselves that totally makes sense and and since this boy is like this innocent force you know as far as in these children are you know they're being haunted by something else that is themselves but not really mm-hmm. you know because at the end of the day they're not the one that it wants No, but they are, you know, it goes back to that sort of Shirley Jackson idea of what is a haunting and like the haunting of Hill House. Yes, 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 yes. No, I think that that's totally fair, especially with everybody's thing that they're battling. Mm -hmm. It's a burden that you carry with you. You know, and some are more obvious than others because also some some of them aren't, you know, self-inflicted things, you know, for for homie's fiance. It's definitely not anything having to do with her. No. And and some of these characters aren't necessarily all haunted. Some of these characters, like her, you know, like um, like the 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 girlfriend character, she pretty much goes Conchita. She pretty much goes through the whole film. Not haunted. She never comes close to experiencing any of this sort of stuff. Well, I was, I guess, thinking that, like, his treatment of her no, was, like, the thing that is, is was holding her No, back. for sure. Um, but, you know, certain characters are definitely very plagued, very burdened mm-hmm. um, by, by what they carry with them. And for some of them, it's grief, and for some of them, it's loss, and for some of them, it's... Um, just an internal emptiness. Um, but I think all at the end of the day, it's very fascinating. Um, and I think that he really accomplishes a lot very quickly in establishing a very succinct emotional language for how everyone is communicating with each other. Mm -hmm. That's very impressive. No, no, I think that that's totally fair. Um, I just, I think that this movie is like, has a lot of interesting layers to it. Um, and I think that that's something that's so, so unique. Lee Guillermo as well, you know, the, the, the things, the, the medium that he chose to, to tell this tale in. But I think that, um, I think that there's also a lot of sweetness to, to Guillermo's, um, movies that isn't, I guess, always, inherently palpable if that makes sense mm-hmm. um and i think that this movie has just like a lot of charm to it with like these little um moments that we get with the children um it is it is like a 
this movie is like a um, stand by me for mm-hmm. these kids. You know, they they go through a lot of hard, hard growing up, as you said, and really, you know, become they you know they mature as this movie goes on. They they grow years in in these days, and and that also we did end up listening to the the director's commentary on on the film and he did talk about how much of what transpires on a certain level inside of the orphanage is an echo of what's happening inside of the context of the Spanish Civil War itself mm-hmm. and so of course with that war is is hell you know and and children young young men and women grow up quickly in the context of war. And so if if it's meant to be an echo of of the war outside within inside of the orphanage, then it makes sense then that in this condensed period of time, you know, these boys go on these incredible sort of um informative but painful emotional journeys yeah that shape them for the rest of their lives no yeah for sure um i mean to to go off of you you bringing up the the director's commentary um listening to to guillermo talk about this film is is was an amazing was an amazing experience as well like i think that i have an even greater respect for the film after hearing you know why he made the choices that he made, you know, what the purpose behind these moments were, you know, and whether or not you got that on the first time around wasn't, wasn't what was necessary. You know, he needed, he knew that those needed to be there, you know, even as a subconscious trigger for us as, as the viewer. And it's just great to, to listen to him talk about, um, why Jacinto can't change Mm -hmm. you know and the fact that not every character gets to have a happy ending you know and and not every character makes the right choice you know and i think that that was a really um interesting dynamic between this this older character who continues to isolate himself and this like parallel with the the younger character who who is the same type of person, but who ends up making a right choice, mm-hmm. you know, and ends up coming around in the end. And I think that that's such an interesting perspective because um, not a lot of things are willing to allow somebody to continue down a wrong path for the the whole film. Yeah. You know. Um somehow they have to they have to you know bring something around or it's it's not as biting of a bad character you know it's not something that if you were in in our in our main's position that you would also you know feel these same things towards this person mm-hmm. um no I, I i really i really enjoyed um Jacinto as a character um he's a he's a great antagonist um his motivations are completely real as well you know none of these people are caricatures of some some falsehoods of what humanity is they are 
they are flawed, but they are and and real. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I think Asinto, uh, kind of to your point, and we talked about this a little bit, falls into that sort of tradition of that Jack Torrance sort of figure of this person who, when you first meet them, seems normal. Mm-hmm. You know, in every sense. And as you go, you realize there are cracks sort of starting to appear, and then you realize eventually that, that underneath that the whole person isn't um, good. No, yeah. And um, becomes unraveled mm-hmm. inside of that. And I think that that's also the sort of palpability of the Jacinto characters, that truly when you when you first sort of meet him... Um, there's nothing about him that gives away any sense of immediately villainy. No, yeah, it's it's this this subtle layering that's happening of of little moments that turn into bigger moments that turn into really big things, you know. And it's, and that's the damning nature of human character. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, You're not a bastard all at once. No, it 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 comes it comes in waves. You it's know. A death by a thousand cuts. Yes, 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 yes. And I think that this movie goes on a on a great journey of really si- uh, totally steering you in one direction and completely shifting gears on you at the last second. And I think that that's, it's just a really effective storytelling as well. Um, and... We forgot to mention that we've got a repeat offender. In- yeah, we do. Uh, dear uh, Federico Lupi, uh, Dr. Caceres, of course, is also in Kronos. Yes, yes, as yes, our, yes. As our lead character. Yes. Again, Incredible here. Yes. I mean, it's... it's I he under- did a beautiful reading of one of my favorite poets, Tennyson. I understand entirely why why Guillermo, you know, was like, I'm going to use this guy again. He's he's fantastic. And this is it's obviously like not as not as big of a as a character as that one. He's not the main character in this. I think that um, Carlos is our is our perspective character. Yeah, of course. Um, But I think that his character is. um, I think that he does just a phenomenal job. I think that um, it's it's truly heartbreaking in this in this you know love affair that he has with with Carmen, you know where where he gets he he loves her from a distance, you know, and he's loved her from a distance for years, and you know if she just said one day for him to be hers, he would do it in a heartbeat. But it's also this kind of like this barrier that's between them, and it's just this beautiful. You know, little little hidden hidden love story that's happening. That's 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 subtle, and that's something that you don't see a lot in films. Is this like quiet love? It's very tender. Yeah, it's it's and really it's, sweet, but it's also incredibly bitter at its own level mm-hmm. because of its incompletion. Um, which also goes back to on a certain level um, part of true Arthurian romance in in the traditional sense of courtly love, which is this idea of, um, you know, a woman with another man for a particular reason in the sense of Arthurian legend, duty or honor, 
uh, and the and the one that she's truly in love with being this one that she can only love from afar. Mm-hmm. You know, and it goes back to that same sort of um, that distant pang of the heart. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, that little quiet void. Yeah. Um, and it's not something that's that's really talked about. Um, I think that that Guillermo, because of just the life that he is he's lived, honestly, has just this beautiful perspective, and you know the fact that he manages to to find so much beauty in in stuff like this, you know, just just shows how much he truly he cares as well. You know, if he's willing to, because I think that people have this misinterpretation of what gothic means. Yes. Just as a, as a word, as a, as a theme, as a... As a sense of, of what it literally is. Yeah, you know, and I think that this is um, an unexpected valley of what that can be. You know, this, this thing where people think that it's supposed to be, you know, dark and gloomy and, and you know, and, and very negative in a light. You know, it can be, can be beautiful and sensitive and sweet, but also tragic. Well, I think a few things to really quickly go off of that. One, one of the interesting things that you bring up, um, Gothic, of course, is also tied to, at least in particularly, especially like a European sense of Gothic, um, a religious sensibility. Mm-hmm. And in particular, one of the figures that they kind of um, latched onto in the Gothic era was the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. And the pain of this sort of mother that, you know, gives birth to a child destined for greatness and tragedy. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that kind of, you know, they really latched onto the Madonna. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Furthermore, one of the offshoots of Gothic, of course, becomes Baroque and then Rococo, which are exaggerations you know it's it's gothic but to this exaggerated hyper ultra surrealist almost colorful vibrant Mm -hmm. exuberant degree um but gothic had all of that elements again of grandeur and spectacle but it was always pinned with this sensibility of love and pain which is part of the whole joke of the Adams family. No, yeah, I was actually gonna I was actually gonna take a quick side note over to the Adams family and like the Munsters and you know all of these all of these things that we grew up watching that not necessarily I guess were new to us in the sense that like they were coming out at that time, but like it was it was stuff that we we indulged in because of the fact that it was constantly being shown to us, you know, like the Scooby Doo and stuff like that, you know, um, has you know, all of these things that have this really like dark and and gloom to them, but also like a lot of a lot of warmth. This, I mean, honestly, you you nailed it on the head with with the the Adams family, you know. You know me, I, I, I love the Adams family. Love and pain. It was, you know, because it's also exactly the opposite of what you're expecting them to be, and I always felt like that was. Um, a very in- inclusive, you know, warm thing. You know, if 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 the if the Adams family can be a loving, happy family, in it with the way that they are, then like you know, anybody can be mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I think that that's that's a that's a great way to 
to to feel to 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 have an outlook on the world you know it's like you don't actually have to be happy and sunny yeah all of the time to be to be with the people that you love to 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 do the things that you want you know to to live a happy life yeah and um why not enjoy the fair weather or yeah. and, and the and the inclement yeah you know if you can enjoy both great no. you know um and i i think that i think that um i think that uh i think that guillermo understands this this innate sort of um longing that people have for for something and that true true human human decisions are made in the longing of something mm-hmm. you make bland decisions when you don't want mm-hmm. because what are you wanting and I think that that's what he understands so innately about character is that good character comes from the want to fill a need. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what that need is. You assign it to the character and that informs what those decisions that they're making are. And I think that that's fully on display here with so many of these characters. And for Carlos, it's truly just wanting to know the truth, coming to this place and seeing these people and discovering that there is something to be discovered and wanting to go on that journey. Mm-hmm. And with curiosity, that, yeah. exposing the tenderness and the vulnerability of, of everyone there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that story plays out so beautifully. And I think that that's the same echo kind of, of, of Pan's Labyrinth. But I think that you see that essentially across all of his films. And so many of his films are about an outsider coming into a place mm-hmm. and discovering the truth about themselves, whether that truth is good or bad, regardless of the outcome. That's really at the core of, of so much of Guillermo's work as an outsider coming to a place and, and discovering something about themselves. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. You know, and and that can be scary. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's also like that. That's why these. This is the perfect kind of way of of telling these these tales, is because it's also you know it's it's wrapped in its own allegory. Well, and what's the ending on a certain level of um, without giving spoilers? Nightmare Alley. It's a perfect moment of essentially ecstatic grief. Ah. I have found purpose. Yep. No, I think that that's totally fair. You know, I think that that's, I think that that's, that's an interest. I, that was not, I haven't thought about it like that. I'm going to have to ponder on this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that I could, I'm glad that I could drop that one on you. No, yeah. You know, and I see the moment right there, clear as day, and... No, I, I think that you. I think that you're onto something. That's why I have to ponder. Um, so if you had to rate uh, the Devil's Backbone out of five, what would you give it? I'm gonna give the Devil's Backbone. Sure, I'm gonna give this movie a five. 
Okay. I'm, I, I'll go with five as well. You know, I wasn't sure. I was thinking about giving it a five. And then I, you gave it a five and I'll give it a five as well. <laughs> well, then perfect. I don't mean, you know, I for me, Guillermo is just... He's so tender. He's so smart. And even when he isn't being tender, he's being so fun. No, yeah. That um, it's infectious. It's mm-hmm. hard for me to dislike a Guillermo movie because I know that he is loving every moment of what he's making. No, for sure. And there were moments in this movie where I was just, I was so enthralled with the story that like, he got me, he got me every time. Oh, he brought me to tears. Yeah. You know, and, and it was, it was hard, but it was also, you know, just this beautiful story watching these kids, you know, just, it was, it was everything that like you need from a movie like this, you know, it's, it is truly like a like a stand by me kind of film, you know. And, it's, and, it's hard, and that's also again. And we talked about it a little bit. It's also a similar echo in Tigers Are Not Afraid. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I mean, we didn't talk about this specifically, but no, I think that um, I think that that movie was very influenced by by this film. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, in like a glowing review kind of way, like it's no, yeah, that's not like a. It's not derivative at all. Um, no, 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 no. But I, the this this kind of you know children going on a hard journey. This in, powerful palpability of of what is a haunting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and who's truly innocent? Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's 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 a great film. Honestly, like I I would truly I would recommend this film. Um, I would recommend this film to a lot of people. Um, Everyone. Yeah. Honestly, I think this is even a movie that I think most people that don't like horror movies for whatever their preconceived notion of horror is, I think that this is something that they could get behind. Oh, no, I think that that's fair, because I don't, I, um... It's not scary that much. No, 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 and it doesn't lean it's into... Tense. The, yeah, it doesn't lean into the scary all... It's not like a jump scare kind of film. You know, and Guillermo even talks about it in in the the commentary that we watched about the fact that he was like, I didn't, I didn't ever want you know this this spirit boy to ever do anything threatening. That's that defeats the point. You know, that's not what makes something scary. You know, what makes something scary is the unknown. Exactly. Exactly. And what we project sometimes onto it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that that's this great journey of seeing that kind of journey through a child's eyes yeah. is, is fantastic, you know, um, because it's also the most innocent form of it, and it's the most imaginative of it, you know. So in reality, all of this stuff could, in theory, just have been a fiction. Mm-hmm. But, you know, his imagination took him on this journey of what was going on in this place, mm-hmm. you know, could have all just been a manifestation, but we don't know. And that doesn't, and that doesn't matter. Well, and Gothic also is tied up, um, on a certain level also with, um, Victorian as well to a degree in certain sensibilities when you get into like an investigative story inside of the context of a ghost story. And I think that with Victorian stories, you often saw, you know, this sort of investigative focus and this sort of, um, you know, mystery focus in a lot of the storytelling. And I think that ultimately at the core also of a lot of ghost stories is this kind of mystery. 
mm-hmm. this kind of investigative story. Um, but anywho, we've already rated it, and now we've also continued. It's uh, just that good. I'm sorry. But uh, I guess to round out uh, the conversation, uh, we'll jump into a little bit on what we've been watching. Uh, very recently, we have been watching... Um, ah, we did get started. We can't give you a review, of course, but we did get started on our slasher extravaganza. We've already started watching films, y'all. Get uh, ready. It's going to, of course, come at the end of October, but we have gone ahead and, and started watching some films for that. And we started with Child's Play, the original uh, Chucky film. And we got the, the Shout Factory 4K of it. It, it was exquisite Mm -hmm. the presentation um and so we've watched that no review yet but we have watched it uh and then we also watched back to the future and back to the future part two part three is coming don't worry we won't we won't incomplete this whole thing um you'd be insane to just watch part one and part two and then just go and then it ends well because (laughs) it's it's because part two ends horribly being like you gotta watch the third one though we've even got a commercial for it in the in the goddamn credits they're like here's the commercial for the next one it it feels like a tv made for tv movie almost you're like oh god you've cheapened it so (laughs) (laughs) like you could just pretty much like i guess they like try to do this thing where they like leave it off at the end like but you could have totally just like ended it with the first one and been like done and like you'd be like we gotta go to the future and that'll just been like the cliffhanger that never completed you know that's fine because they now have the the ability to do time travel it would have been like what if doctor who wasn't a series yeah you know we just had that first blip and we're done here you know but the but the commercial is guys guys it's rough no, it is. It is. It's so Especially bad. because they essentially lay up what it's going to be with the letter. Yes. Like, we literally go through a whole... Honestly, it feels like they showed it to a test audience, and the test audience was like, asked, did you know that it was setting up a sequel? And they were like, what? And they were like, oh, the letter was setting up the sequel. And they were like, what letter? And then they said, all right, we're going to put We're going to put a little trailer. We're going to... We're going we're to put this flashing billboard that tells you the entire plot of the next one with a bunch of cool doodads and And then they ups. showed it to the next test audience and they were like, did you know that a sequel was coming? And they were like, yes. And they were it like, literally is we like, solved the problem. It's like part three. Like, oh, it might as well have been in 3D. Um, <laughs> it was just, it was a lot, like... You know, now, yeah, I'm, I, you can't, you can't just end with the second one. You have to go to the third one. So we will be watching the third one. It's a, it's a necessary evil. Um, I love the first one. I enjoyed the second one for the first time, probably the most I ever have, but I still prefer the first one. These movies, you can't watch them back to back because the, because the girlfriends are different. <laughs> yes, that's true. And they literally go through that entire movie being like, hear me out. No, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so bad. It's so bad. Because, like, um, no offense to, is that Elizabeth Shue? Yeah. No offense to Elizabeth Shue. I love you, Elizabeth Shue. Do not get me wrong. This wasn't your part. No, that's fair. 
this is this is my least favorite Elizabeth Shue performance because she's just the whiny girlfriend. Whereas like the other girl, I felt like really had this like deep and interesting relationship with him. Whereas we're just we get the very vapid version in the second mm. one where she's like, oh my god, what, when did we get married? And how many kids do we have? And what did my dress look like? And I was like, I hate you. She didn't have anything to show. Oh no, you've been. I I saw it in your face. You had that one chambered. Yeah. I did. <laughs> You were, you were ready for me to take a breath. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, beyond that, um, honestly, we don't really have too much terribly else for y'all. We recently had our newsletter go out. Um, uh, if you haven't signed up for it, go ahead and sign up for it. Um, we are, of course, going to be continuing Hispanic Heritage Month like I said, all month long. So please be sure to come and, and continue to check that out. Uh, next week we are doing Alfonso Coron's uh, E Tu Mama Tambien. Uh, and actually we got one of our new movies that we're uh, doing in the mail. Uh, it's, it's sitting downstairs. Uh, and I'm pretty pumped for that one. We're doing a documentary this month. So we've got a lot of really interesting stuff for y'all. Please continue to come and check us out. Um, dear, do you have anything else that you would like to add to the, to the listeners? Um, go on Twitter, add us, or however Twitter works. I'm follow, follow, follow us. Um, and then, and then ask us a question. (laughs) 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 Really simple instructions. You probably already have a Twitter if you're a normal person in the world. Um, this is not this is not a dig. This is not a dig. I'm not a normal person. I don't have a Twitter. Um, but everything, anything, anyone that's anyone apparently is, is on it. And I just don't care. Um, <laughs> but go on there. Follow us. And then ask us a question. It's very simple. It is, it is three steps. And... And that's, that's, that's all I got to say, I guess. All right. <laughs> um, I guess if I had anything else that I wanted to uh, leave anyone on, you know, today I had a really good conversation with someone who, even though we had a lot of similar opinions on things, we came from entirely different worlds, entirely different backgrounds, and it's so surprising the places that you can find common ground with people, um, that you can come to an understanding with people. And really, at the end of the day, much as we have discussed, as has been shown in so many films from around the world, the human condition is a shared condition. The human experience is a shared experience. And at the end of the day... We all have the same things. We all have wants and needs. And uh, we're really, truly not all that different. At the end of the day, we want shelter. We want validation. Uh, and we we want to go to bed feeling like tomorrow is going to be okay. No, that's, that, that was beautiful. That was beautiful, love. Um, fantastic. You know, gosh. I'm just, I'm just so cheap. It's just a... <laughs> <laughs> But also go and ask us a question on Twitter. There, yeah, see? Yeah, there, yeah. feel better. 
I win. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's not about winning. It's about feeling good. Um, um, but no, thank you guys as always for listening. Yes. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.